0: You see, there, there, there are those that believe that God does not say no to his children when the blessing is at stake. He doesn't say no to his children. That if you don't get something, it's because of your own lack of faith. So that's the point of my message today. Like, What is our faith like when God says no? Good morning. Good morning guys. All right. Thank you guys for uh, what you guys shared. Cheryl, excellent stuff. Thank you very much. And Ted and Scott and Camille. Thank you. Sorry, let me uh, take some water first before I even get started. You guys know me and my, my throat issues. So uh, hopefully this will be a good day. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay. Why don't we pray? Dear Lord, we just come before you. We give you praise and honor. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, your grace that you pour on us every day. Lord God, I just uh, lift up this time. Thank you for the ability to worship you, Lord, that we can come together corporately, Lord God, and lift your praises, sing your praises, Lord God, because you are worthy. You are deserving. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right. So, hope everyone's doing well today. Uh, yesterday was a difficult day for all of us as we had the memorial service for our, our brother and and, uh, and the Lord, Elliot. And uh, it was it was an, it was an awesome time together. I think it was an awesome time together. And um, yeah, and today we get to celebrate. You know, with the Lord and and just come together and yeah. I know there's a lot of people that aren't here today, but that's okay. That's all right. Yesterday was a long day, <laughs> but uh, we've been reading through the uh, the Book of Chronicles, like Ted said, and now today we're on Chronicles 28. And it's interesting because you know Scott shared what he shared, and it goes along with what I was gonna what I was gonna share today. And we had not talked, and so he, he didn't know exactly he didn't know anything about what I was gonna share today. So you know, so maybe it was the Lord. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, um, we're at uh, 1 Chronicles 28. So, why don't you turn with me with, uh, there, and we can read a little bit, and then we can, just, we can discuss this, and, and I can share some things with you guys. All right. All right. So, 1 uh, Chronicles 28, verse 1. David summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem. officers over the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the warriors, and all the brave fighting men. So, setting the stage. And he says, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God. And I made plans to build it. But God said to me, you're not to build a house for my, uh, for my name, because you are a warrior and have shed blood. I'm going to end right there for now. Have you ever wanted something so bad you know, that you could taste it? All right? It looks like David wanted to build a, a house for the Lord. He had built his house. If, you read, if, you read, uh, if you've been reading with us and you read 1 uh, Chronicles 17, it talks, about, you know, it talks about that. But David wanted to build a house for the Lord, and God said no, right? You know, but like a lot of times we want something so bad, like the, the perfect wedding, right? The gift of a new car, like hoping for that new car that, you know, your parents might get you or somebody might get you. Or, or winning the, the, the winning shot in the, in the championship game. Or as of today, right, the, the, win, the winning touchdown catch, you know, to win the championship, right? That's something that people dream about, you know, long for, could taste it, but won it so bad, right? Or how about something that we can all relate to, right? You know, you can, a, a new job or promotion, Right, that the new job that you're going for, that new promotion you're going for, and you're like, man, this job is mine. You think, man, this job is mine. Because you've read Mark 11.23, right? And it says, in Mark 11.23, uh, it says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what, what, the, what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Right? Like you have big plans. You have big plans for that position because you have faith, right? You interview and you're praying and thanking God for the job because you, you, you know he's already given you that job. He's already given it to you. You know, you pray, but being humble, being humble, you, you know, because you know the job is yours. You just know it. You're being humble. You ask God that his will be done. You ask God that his will be done. You tell him, Lord, if you don't want me to have that position or whatever, for whatever reason, close the door. That's what we say, right? You know, take the decision out of my hands because, you know, it, it, because if, if given the opportunity, you know, I'll walk into the, you know, walk around and say, you know, yeah, that's right. God is great. Gave me this job today. Yeah. You're like, you know, singing along, you're dancing along, and you're like so confident that God has already given you that job. You felt pretty comfortable, you know, saying that because the job is yours, you know, you know that it's yours, and it's like, well, when, when the final decision was made, right, you received a phone call that you've been waiting for. Like, you prepared the acceptance speech, right? How you would, you know, be, how you'd be honored to work for that team, you know, that you'd give your best, you'd do, do a great job. You also prepared what you would say to your co-worker, your current co-workers. You're like, you know, and when you told them that you were leaving, you know, it's been great working with you, and so on and so forth. You know, you all had this all planned out in your head, right? But you didn't need to use any of those speeches. Didn't need to use any of them. But how did you? Re- how did you respond? Because you didn't get the job. How did you respond? We say, we say, thank you for considering me, right? No, but inside, you're not happy. You're not a happy camper. You know, thank God you hadn't started uh, spending that money yet, right, from that new job. You didn't, st- you didn't start spending that pay raise. You couldn't believe it, though. Couldn't believe it. God actually said no. But how do you know he said no? This- well, not necessarily, but that's, but that's the only way, you, you know, you could not have gotten it. It's the only way you couldn't have gotten it, right? Because there's no way that he wanted, that if he wanted me to have this job, that it would not be mine. You know, if I prepared and, and you know, did what I was supposed to do. You're so disappointed, so disappointed. Then the questions start. The questions start, and, and now, you know, and I know where the questions are coming from, Right? Satan is having a field day with this one. You see, there, there, there are those that believe that God does not say no to his children when the blessing is at stake. He doesn't say no to his children. That if you don't get something, it's because of your own lack of faith. So that's the point of my message today. Like, What is our faith like when God says no? What is our faith like when God says no? When something you desire does not come, is it because you don't have enough faith, or is it because God said no and we didn't and we didn't listen? Or you know uh, the other thing to be considered is that you know there are times when God may say yes, but we may not be within the timing or prepared or prepared to receive what he what we are requesting yet. What you believe, according to your doctrine, will often dictate, you know, your responses to these questions. There are actually four beliefs that that, that I wanted to address today that that uh, I feel captures the majority of our beliefs. And these beliefs are, number one, if I don't get what I want, it's not meant to be, right? It's just a fact of life, no control. Kesara sera, as my mom always says to me, you know, she says that all, a lot you know another one is if i don't get what i what i asked for then i did not have enough faith i didn't have enough faith for it a third one is if i don't get what i asked for god said no and i trust him because he takes care of me right and then the other one the fourth one is god says yes but may not be the time but it may not be the time i need to wait and prepare Right. So, as you can see, these are very different beliefs. They're very different, and you can all base them on Scripture. You can all be based on Scripture. And I'll start with the first belief because both religious and non-religious people accept it. And I use the term religious because you know there there are others who believe in God that don't, and He acts on our behalf, although they don't believe in Christ. Right? There are people like that. Right? Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm like, like, are people like, like, even listening? But yeah, no, but, so first, it was not meant to be, right? For those who are not Christians or religious, you know, it's easy to accept that if you, if you receive anything in this life, you know, you have to make it happen for yourself, right? You have to make it happen for yourself. So whatever you get in life is due to your own efforts. So whenever something does not work out, it was just not supposed to be. You know, although, you know, they come to the conclusion eventually, some take a victor's view and some take a victim's view. So the victor's view says that although this one wasn't, was not supposed to be, there are other opportunities that they, that they um, will prepare for themselves. Right? And the key word there is for, you know, prepare for themselves. Now the victim is somewhat the opposite. And they initially tend to blame others when, when something does not work out, you blame other people when it doesn't work out. You know, they, they will seek, uh, they'll seek out other opportunities, but when things, you know, do not, don't work out, they, they don't tend to think it was due to them. It wasn't their fault, right? Now, here's the point of this. For non-religious people, you know, they do not believe that there's a God who's looking out for them. You know, to help them, to guide them. They believe that they control their world and whatever happens is supposed to happen based on their input. That's the way it is. As a, a Christian can also carry this belief, though. They can also carry this belief. There are those who be, believe based on, uh, basically, uh, like Ephesians 1, you know, 5 and 11, that, that, there's nothing, that nothing will change in their life. Nothing will change. That their lives as Christians has already been predestined and all that they have to do is walk through it. Right? That's, that's it. So, like, if you look at Ephesians 1, 5 and 11, it says, in 5, it says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure, according to, with his pleasure and will. Amen. And then in, in verse 11, it says, In him we, are, we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of Of his will. That's verse 11. Number five was he predestined us for adoption into sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And Verse 11 says in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the uh, the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. It's good stuff. But in this, in this, in if you read what Paul writes in this chapter, with this chapter, you begin to understand he's talking about something very specific. He's talking about something very specific. Before Adam sinned, you know, it, the decision was made that, that Jesus would leave heaven, come, you know, to earth, and sacrifice himself to restore man's relationship with God. You know, in relation to us, you know, uh, we were preordained to have the choice. Of, of believing or not believing from that decision. We have, the, we, have the, we have the choice to believe or not believe. You know, that was the first step. What this meant for, uh, was that for all those people who hadn't been born, God had placed a way for them to be restored to him. He, he placed a way. He made a way for them to be restored to him. The second step was the adoption process. You know, God had chosen had a chosen people, but he consistently made allowances for in the Old Testament, you know, for uh, for any group of people that would accept him, although they they may not have been part of the original chosen people. He did that a lot. You know, in in, in the final act, you know, reaching out to everyone who came through Christ. Came through Christ, which was which fulfilled the law. Now, the final step was you know, the completion of the adoption process. You know, The invitation had been offered, the provision had been made, the benefits available, but we have to accept him. We have to accept him. You know, the adoption process, God has, has chosen us, but, but he has given us the right to accept his offer. People reject him all the time, just like Scott was talking about. You know, people reject him all the time. We have to accept his offer. You know, if we accept everything he has already, everything he has is already available to us. Everything he has is available to us if we accept him. But we have to accept his offer. So what this means is that God has made grace available to everyone. It's available to everyone. We were preordained to receive it. Everyone has received grace at some point in their lives, whether they are Christians or non-Christians, doesn't matter. They received grace, you know? you know. It's been pre long before any one, of, any one of us was even born. Any one of us was even born. Once we accept his grace, you know, by accepting Christ, then all of the benefits of being his child are available to us. You know, those benefits are, you know, preordained for us they, once, once we accept Christ. The, the benefits are locked in. They're locked in. The reason I keep using preordained is, you know, because predestination, you know, by definition, you know, it primarily focuses on who goes to hell, who goes to heaven, those kind of things. You know, for those Christians who believe that everything that happens to them was preordained by God, it's easy to accept that what will happen will happen, right? So that's why I gave that whole, that whole little bit of information. But that's that's the first one, and the second one goes: you know, if it doesn't happen, it's because I don't have enough faith. You know, this belief, like in my mind, is, is more dangerous, right, than the previous one. It's not like you know everything will happen will happen, whatever. You know, but you know if it doesn't happen, I don't have enough faith. That's. A little bit more dangerous than the first one. You know, again, I refer to, like, there's a foundational scripture in this. That that, that, in this was Mark 11, 23 and 24. It says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. All right. You know, there's a large faith movement. Know that's been built on the on the scriptures, those and other scriptures. You know, people have taken scripture and placed more emphasis on faith and positive confession, right? Than on you know, than being in the will of God. You know, you have the name and the claim it belief. You know, you know, and that's you know this faith movement that we see a lot. And I believe that we must operate in faith. Trust me, I believe it. The word of God is crystal clear about the importance of faith in everything that we do. You have to have faith in everything that we do. But let's look back at the the job situation I was talking about, right? When you didn't get the job, it could be easy for us to say that you didn't get the job because you didn't have enough faith, right? It's easy to say that, easy to say that. God would have given me that job if if my faith was stronger. Maybe. Let me show you why I believe that this is very dangerous, right? It's very dangerous to get caught up in. And I'll do that through a question for you. If God knows something is not for my good, and he's protecting me, will my faith and positive confession change that? Will it change it? If God knows something is not for my good and he is protecting me, will my faith and positive confession change that? I can't find an example, you know, in God, of, of God's will being changed because someone's faith and positive confession. Can't find it. You know, there are even pastors that say, you know, based supposedly on the word of God, that, you know, if you believe and you have enough faith, you won't die. That's strange to me. For me, this means that everyone who died in the past is, you know, didn't have enough faith, right? You know, the apostles, the who walked with Christ, who stood with him, you know, they all died. Paul looked forward to death because he wanted to be with the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying, right? You know, God stressed our need for faith because we have not seen Him or Christ yet. We must believe. We have to believe. Faith is defined as unquestioning belief, right? You know, the faith that we, we have is targeted in, uh, um, towards our belief in Jesus Christ. It's targeted towards our belief in Jesus Christ. The faith that we have is, for operating this world is, is, to, is to benefit us uh, uh, doing the work of the ministry, not increasing our worldly gains or anything like that. Our total being should be focused on serving God. Serving the Lord, knowing that we must exist in a natural world in order to do that. That's what we have to do. We have to serve the Lord. Think about the impact of this belief, right? Whatever you ask ask God for and you do not receive, you know, it's your fault. That's strange. That's not right, you know? You know, if you had enough faith, you would have gotten it. So obviously something's wrong with you. You know, if you accept this belief as the word of God, it does not take long for you to begin to wonder why your faith is so weak compared to someone else's. A lot of times we think that. You know, oh man, why, is, why are these things happening to me? You know, is my faith not strong enough? I mean, I'm believing it, and I'm praying for it. You know, we start comparing ourselves to other people. I mean, there was a time when I, you know, in my life where I believed that if I prayed and asked God for something and confessed it, I will receive it, right? And at that time, my, my, my limited understanding of God's word, you know, I, under, I, I truly believed that if I didn't get something, I didn't have enough faith. I didn't have enough faith. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong, please. Because there are things that, that will not happen because of our lack of faith. There are things that won't happen because of our lack of faith. You know, when Jesus was in his hometown, you know, many people could not be healed because of their lack of faith in him. Right? God expects us to grow in our faith and knowledge of him. And we as we continue to learn more about more and more about him, you know, our faith is expected to grow. However, no amount of faith on our part will make God give us something that's not good for us. It won't. Now, remember how, you know, we tell our kids, no means no, right? No means no. And no amount of crying or begging will change our minds. No amount. I believe there are things that God does, you know, that, the things with God that, that, that he does not change because it's, he has our best interests at heart. He has our best interests at heart. I like to think of myself sometimes as, as a, you know, as a little child, you know, uh, in, in the hands of God, okay, you know, there's things that he won't change. Like, like if, if Rain, uh, if my daughter Rain walked up to me and asked me for my car keys, right? So she can take the car around the you know, uh, for a joyride around the block. I wouldn't give them to her. Why? Why wouldn't I give it to her? Because of her age, number one. A little too young to be driving. You know, her experience and her ability to drive. You know, she's too young. You know, she can't drive. I mean, no, it's actually, she's pretty good. Because we we, she's gone to the, uh, uh, do the go-karts and stuff. She's a she's, she's really good driver. <laughs> but she's still young. <laughs> and that's not going to happen. <laughs> even when she gets her license, it might not even happen. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, if I cared about her safety, right, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't even give it a second thought. To give her the keys. No, I, I'm not going to give you the keys to go drive around the block. No. No, if I'm that way with, with, the, with those that I love, how much more is God that way? How much more is God that way? You no. Know, wherever you are in your faith walk, you know, and also, you know, for your continued growth and faith in God, you must accept the fact that, you know, there are times when God says no, and it's not about your faith, it's about God's love for His children. It's very easy to go through life thinking that you have no control over anything. And what happens to you just is just the way it is. It's just the way things are. The second belief is potentially more dangerous because you know it solely places the blame on you, if you, not get, you did, if you didn't get something that you were believing God for. You know, the second belief says that if you did not get what you wanted, you simply did not have enough faith. Now the third says that God has... Uh, God said no, and I trust Him because you know He cares for me, right? Although that's a very true statement, God takes care of each of us, each of His children. You know, let's examine that one a little bit more closely as well. All right, all right. So, you know, when you say God said no, and I <laughs> and I trust Him because He cares for me, right? This belief, you know, may seem very spiritual, right? it's very spiritual. Now, I would love to be able to blame God for not getting what I want. I would love that. Can you see the benefit to you know, having a fall guy? You know, the fall guy to blame? Someone to blame for everything? So, let me give you an example. You know, I, I, you know today's the Super Bowl, right? And people here are Eagles fans, right? Okay. Well, not Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave. Mm-mm-mm. No, I'm kidding. He's an Ohio State fan. And I don't, need, I don't think, do you really follow, you know, oh, he's, oh, he's wearing Eagles, oh, look at he's wearing green, look at that. I love those guys. Anyway, <laughs> but no, so the, it's a, the it's a, it's a Super Bowl today, and it's like, if I'm, the, if I'm the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, right, leading up to the championship game, leading up to the Super Bowl, and I go to Phoenix, right, but I don't practice, right? I don't prepare. I go hang out with my teammates and friends and family and having a good time, enjoying the sights and going here and going there. You know, the coach gives me a playbook, you know, with the new plays or whatever it might have in there. or you know, The game plan for that for that for the Sunday. And, and I don't read it. Right. I don't read it. I just I even go into the field without my uh, my my pads and and I and I have on uh, I have on my Crocs right, but they'll be they'll be in sport mode right. When you had that little the sport mode for the Crocs, which you can go running in the Crocs or whatever, you know. Because I got this, I do all that because I got this, and you know God has my back, right? Now when my team doesn't win. It'd be nice to say it was because God didn't want me want that for me. It'd be so nice to say that, thinking this was this, you know, <laughs> this thinking this way, thinking this way allows me to you know not be responsible for anything. You know, I'm God's child. You know, He controls everything around me, and if He says no, then hey, I'm not to blame, right? I know for a fact that there have been things that I went to for God uh, went to God for, and uh, He said no. It was not time. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, there are many more times when, you know, when things did not go, did not work out because of me or for, an, or for other reasons. You know, there are times when God says, wait. There are other times when, yeah, it's because it's my fault. You know, yes, I believe that, that God is watching over us. Yes, I know that he's active in our lives. Trust me, I know that he's active in our lives. But again, the scripture does not support the, the thought that, that every time something good does not work out, it's just because God said no. It's not, that's not the only reason. You know It'd be nice if, if it was that way, but unfortunately, does not seem to be the case. Examine, you know, what we, what we read at the beginning. First Chronicles 28. David calls all the officials together. You know, he, tell, and he, he, he takes everybody, He brings everybody around, all the mighty fighting men, all everyone. And he says, you know, in verse 2 and 3, he says, you know, he rose to his feet and said, listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house in place for uh, of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. But God said to me, you're not to build a house for my name because you're a warrior and, you're sh- and shed blood. You know, earlier in Chronicles uh, seventeen, we find the story. The entire, you know, in, his, in David's desire to build a temple to the house, uh, a, a temple to, to house the Ark of the Covenant, and God brought him peace to, from all of his enemies, and David was grateful. And he thought about it. You know, uh, he thought about it. How good it would be. How God. How good God has been to him. You know, and. and um, and he asked the prophet Nathan, you know, uh, about it. He shared his concern and his desires and and David actually felt guilty that God would bless him and kept him, you know, but he didn't have a house. He didn't have a house for, you know, a temple for him for 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 the Lord, for the ark of the covenant. And Nathan told David, "No, go do whatever, you know, you want because the Lord is with you. Go do whatever you want. The Lord is with you." You know? And, but 'Cause he, he, he felt that, you know, whatever he did would please the Lord. Whatever David would do would please the Lord. But that was not the case. You know, in the dream that night, the Lord came to Nathan and he told him, you know, that David wasn't supposed to build the ark. You know. Although he knew that, you know, David wanted to, he wasn't gonna do it, wasn't gonna be able to do it. So God told David, No. That it was not for him to build a temple. You must understand what God told David, no, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, uh, it was not because David had been a bad person. That wasn't the reason. Far from it. It was a simple uh, uh, fact that God had already chosen who would do it, and it would not be a man of war. It wouldn't be a man of war. So what we find is that David, although his desire was good, was not allowed to do what he wanted. You know, God's, God, David accepted God's answer and had peace because he now understood that what God would, uh, what God's will was, and that uh, the the temple would be built. So, in Second Corinthians twelve, we find a situation where Paul had a had a thorn in his flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment him. That's what it says in the Word. And Paul went to the Lord three times, praying for deliverance from whatever this thorn was in his flesh. Here's, what Jesus, here's Jesus' Jesus's response. It says, in, in verse 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul had prayed for deliverance, but the Lord said no. Why? Was it because Paul didn't deserve it? You know, was it because of his past sins? No. Was it because the Lord wanted to teach him a lesson? You know, Based on the account in, in the Second Corinthians 12, the Lord refused Paul's request because, with the gifts that were operating within Paul, you know, he would have he could have easily been con, uh, become conceited, thinking that it was all from him. The thorn in his flesh, in this case, kept him grounded and focused on who uh, who really was his source, and this source was the Lord. I mean, there will be times when, when God's answer to you will be no. You know, a good father, as a good father, he will not uh, do or give us anything that, it, that is designed to hurt us. God is good. Always has been, always will be. And that's why we know that when he says no, there's a good reason for it. You know, let me make this point before I move to the fourth. Sorry, excuse me. Unless you know excuse me. unless you know for a fact that, that God has uh, has said no and that uh, and that is why something did not work out, don't blame God. Don't blame him. Again, in my earlier example of not winning, you know, the championship because I didn't prepare, you know, we must know our role in the things that happen to us. God may have said yes, but with our flesh, but in our flesh, you know, we shut down the opportunity. That's happened. But let's go to the fourth one. Oh, it's getting late. So, so God says yes, but it's not the time, and I need to prepare, right? That's the fourth one. So the final belief addresses our patience. It Addresses our patience. God may pr- approve, uh, you know, for us to do something, but we must understand the timing. When he tells us that it's not the time, you know, he does not say, you know, it will never happen, right? He doesn't say it will never happen, but it's not the time for that moment. It's not time for that moment. You know, remember when Samuel, you know, anoints David as king? You know, God chose David to be king while Saul was still in charge, right? Saul was king when David was anointed. You know, it was several years, I mean, it was a lot, I think it was like 40 years or something like that. Before David actually stepped into the position that God had anointed him to take, it was a long time. You know, although David, you know, didn't ask for it, you know, but he was told he was told to wait no matter what. You know, I use this, I use this example to stress the point that although God has something for us, there are times when we must be patient and, and, and for the right time. Anything done, you know, in the wrong time can be harmful. It can be harmful. Yeah, you know, I, I, well, I don't, no, I'm not going to say that. That'll take me on a tangent and read. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, but uh, remember the story of Lazarus, right? Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. The brother of Mary and Martha. He came. He became sick, and the and the word was sent to Jesus to come immediately to heal him. They never thought Jesus would refuse to come, you know. Nor did they uh, they they requested for him to speak and 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 uh, and speak the word and he be healed, you know, from wherever he was. They didn't ask that. They asked him to come. They wanted a personal, face to face interaction. With Jesus to restore their brother to complete health. That's what they wanted. And Jesus did not send word back to them that he was not coming. He just didn't go. That's crazy, right? He just didn't go. Although there were no texts at that time, you know, or email or anything like that. They couldn't call them. But he didn't send word at all that he wasn't coming. He just didn't come. He just didn't come. Didn't go. And after Lazarus had died, you know, he told his disciples that they needed to go to and awaken him. They thought it meant that Lazarus was just sleeping. So Jesus basically made a plain to him. He said, you know, he just told him, no, he died. You know? Why did Jesus wait? If you look at John 11, verse 14, you'll have to turn, I think it'll be up there on the, on the screen. But uh, it says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. That's what he says. He's like, more matter-of-factly, you know. Jesus not leaving immediately upon receiving, word that Lazarus was sick, had nothing to do with his love for Lazarus or Lazarus' sisters. You know, it had nothing to do with his uh, being too busy. You know, it had everything to do with building his disciples' faith. They had seen Jesus heal the sick. they seen it. But to raise someone from the dead after they had been, after they had been placed in the, in the grave was basically unheard of. It was unheard of. You know, his delay also increased the faith of, faith of all those in attendance with Lazarus' family. P- people that were there sitting in mourning with his, with his, with his family increased their faith as well. Two things that, you know, uh, uh, to consider in regards to this story. You know, first, Jesus called Lazarus forth, right? You know, Lazarus came out of the grave. You know, his hands were and feet were wrapped in linen. They were tied together and stuff, you know. You know, neither Jesus nor anyone else entered the grave. You know, they were standing outside the grave when he called Lazarus out. I'm not quite sure how he got out of the grave, you know how he came out but they did you know they were you know they were, everyone was standing outside and the second thing is uh, you know the issue that Martha raised as Lazarus uh, had been uh, in the grave for four days and must have started to stink which is kind of funny you know you know he's like Lord I'm sure he stinks <laughs> you know it's got to be pretty bad you know excuse me sorry you know, Jesus understood what, he, what she was saying, yet it didn't stop him. It didn't stop him. He understood what, what, he, what, uh, what he would do, and, and he understood what it would do to their faith. He knew what it would do to their faith. You know, I hope these two uh, examples, you know, with these two examples, you begin to understand that timing is, is very important in God's plan. It's very important in God's plan. When you go to him about something and he tells you yes, but you still, need to, uh, to understand the, you still need to understand the timing. You know, it may not be what you think. He might say yes, but you might have to wait. You know, you may have to wait. Because, like, it's funny, because, like, I knew that I was going to marry my wife before she did. But I had to wait. Even though I told her, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, you know, express my feelings to her didn't respond, did not have, did not respond for like six months or whatever. I had to wait. Yeah, the Lord told me yes, but the timing was a little bit off on my, on my end, but trusting in him, you know, that's, that was, it'll be 24 years this year I've been married. So, so there you go. Good things come. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm like, uh, but, um, you know, we get, need to prepare ourselves for what, the, uh, you know, for what God has planted, planned for you. You need to plan, prepare yourself for what God has planned for you. So basically, I went through these four things and I intentionally did not try to, to tell you, uh, you know, which of these beliefs you should adopt because all of them carry truth with them. Right, they all carry truth with them. You know, my goal with this message to, to 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 get you to start looking at your responses to situations when you don't get what you want. When we don't get what we want, what is your response like? Do you write Do you write it off as you know whatever it was not supposed to be? Or do you do you blame yourself because you didn't have enough faith? You know, do you believe God said no and that's okay? You know, you know because you believe that you know, he may approve your request at another time, or something like that. Whatever you believe in your circumstance, always remember that God cares for you. God loves you, he cares for you, and wants the best for you. However, because we, we created, he created us with a free will and ability to make our, uh, our, our own decisions without <laughs> consulting him, right? We do that a lot, you know. There are a lot of things that we fall that fall within our realm of control. So before we default to blaming God or about wondering if our level of faith about our level of faith, remember to do a self check to determine your role in the situation. You may be, you may be surprised what you discover. You know, you may you may be surprised, but you know what? It's uh it's hard to know what God wants. Right? It's even harder when God says you can't have what you want. Right? So hard. Because we're so selfish. No. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But even though God said no to David, right? If you go back and you read chapter 17 in Chronicles, God reminded David of how precious he was. He reminded David how precious he was. He didn't reject David, but he redirected him. He redirected him because if you if you know the story, he goes on and he puts everything together for Solomon to build the temple, because his son Solomon was supposed to build the temple. So he got everything together, so his son didn't have to do anything. You know, all the wood was there, all the gold, all the whatever jewels, everything that needed to be put, to be to be had for this for the temple, was there. Cause God, because he allowed David to prepare for that. He redirected him. He left David where he placed him as a soldier, not a temple builder. David was a soldier. But for us, when God says no, it often means he has a better way. He has a better way. We need to trust it. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. All right. Dear Lord, we just come before you. We give you praise and honor. Lord God, um, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, for your love for us, how much you care for us, Lord God. And Lord, a lot of times when we don't get our way, we throw tantrums and we do different things and we... We have, we have different thoughts and so on and so forth, Lord God, but we know, Lord, that what you have for us is better than anything that we could possibly want for ourselves. So, Lord, I just ask, Lord, to choose to be with us. So I pray, Lord, that we would trust you. We would trust you, Lord God, with our lives, with everything that we do, Lord, and everything, Lord God that you have for us. We would trust you, Lord God, even when you say no. That even when you say no, Lord God, our faith is built and we become stronger in our walks with you because we trust you above all else. So Lord, we just give you praise and honor today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right.